Hello, I'm Jonathan Stafford, Artistic Director of New York City Ballet. I am excited to announce the launch of our brand new podcast, and I'm here to give you a sneak peek at what's to come. On City Ballet, you will hear directly from the dancers, choreographers, composers, musicians, and ballet masters who form the bedrock of this company. We'll deep dive into our repertory and history and take you along with us as we follow the creative process from the studio to the orchestra pit to the stage. Here's what to expect. When we are on stage at Lincoln Center, we'll release weekly episodes exploring the ballets that you can see that season at the theater. In the off-season, we'll release episodes that give you an unprecedented listen backstage and behind the scenes. We have several hosts from New York City Ballet. I'd like to introduce you to a few of them now. Hi, Wendy. Hi, John. Now, if you're tuning in, you likely already know Wendy Whalen. Wendy is a celebrated former principal dancer and is the current associate artistic director. She danced with the company for 30 years, becoming a premier interpreter of countless ballets and originating a wealth of roles in the NYCB repertory. In a series of episodes we call New Combinations, who better than Wendy to host conversations with choreographers and other creatives commissioned for new works? So before seeing our latest world premiere, you'll have the opportunity to hear more about the commissioned artist's creative process, body of work, and background. Also here today is music director Andrew Litton. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Andrew has the immense task of directing the New York City Ballet Orchestra, something he has done brilliantly since 2015. In podcast segments titled See the Music, Andrew will speak with composers and orchestra members to discuss, perform, and celebrate new commissions that our orchestra will play for the very first time, as well as the great scores that have inspired generations of choreographers, dancers, and audiences alike. And lastly, in a series of episodes we call Hear the Dance, NYCB dancer and School of American Ballet teacher Silas Farley will discuss pivotal works in the company's repertory as he hosts conversations with current and former dancers who have performed and, in some cases, originated roles in those works, as well as other key players in the creative process. We'll be bringing back some legendary voices from New York City Ballet's past for this one, and we're looking forward to the insights that Silas will uncover with them. Silas, you played a big role in the creation of this podcast project, and I'd like to hear more about that. Yes, it's a real pleasure to be here with you all, and for all of you who are tuning in, our company has a long history of illuminating what we do on stage through really rich articles and program notes in our playbills, and we have a rich history of onstage lectures where we dive into the history of different ballets, and I thought, how could we break that open and share that kind of an insight on an even deeper level with even more people. And we live in the golden age of podcasts. So I thought, let's, let's, do, a, let's do a radio show and, and share the riches of our company's story with a wider public. Yeah, that's great. Uh, when did this love for dance history begin for you? 
It started right when I began dancing at the age of seven. I had some sense that my whole life was going to be spent in service of the art of ballet, and so I wanted to learn everything I could about it. So I spent a lot of hours in our public library in my hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, reading all the books that I could find, watching documentaries, and connecting the dots with what I was reading to what I was being taught in the studio. And that's been an ongoing passion since the very beginning for me. And what should we look forward to this season? We have so much to look forward to on the Hear the Dance segments of the City Ballet podcast this year. I'll be talking with legendary interpreters of different important roles in the company's history. Like I'll be talking with Merrill Ashley about the ballet Firebird. And I'll be talking with a former Merce Cunningham dancer named Jean Freebury, who's reviving summer space for our company, which hasn't been performed in several years. And we'll also hear from Kay Mazo, our School of American Ballet's co-chairman of faculty, who was part of the original New York City Ballet cast of summer space. So we're going to get both illumination of the history of these ballets and what their current performance practice is now. And I think that's going to be exhilarating. Yeah, I can't wait to listen in myself because anytime I hear you speak about something, I always learn something new, despite the fact that I've been here for over 20 years. (laughs) So really looking forward to it. Thank you. Right, Andrew, your ballet work did not begin with New York City Ballet, did it? Um, No, actually. It began while I was a first-year student at Juilliard playing the piano for Rudolf Nureyev on Broadway. Um, And it was one of those situations, phone rang at 11 o'clock at night, and my my best friend, who actually had the the gig, couldn't do it. And he said uh, he needed to find a sub. And I said, "Uh, yeah, sure, (laughs) I'll do it. And it was uh, a really... A wild experience. I went from being Juilliard pianist number 199 to suddenly kind of a mini celeb because I was reviewed in all the, you know, Clive Barnes and, um, you know, and it was it it was really exciting to walk into school the next day and be be somebody. And uh, and so it's it's thanks to the world of ballet that that happened. Actually, I was 18 and uh, and actually one of my favorite stories that I love to share. I learned from Rudolf Nureyev, which was that. Um, for the two weeks before I got to meet him, I was told he's extremely intimidating. He's really got a temper. So just, you know, try, try to stay away, you know, and whatever. Well, that turned out to be completely false. He was an extremely nice gentleman. And actually, I figured out very quickly that he was perfectly fine as long as he didn't mess up. So, you know, it was just, it was, uh, I, you know, it was a, a very honest barometer, really, to know how, how things were going. And so we got along just great. And so it's now opening night, and uh, it was me and this beautiful Steinway concert grand that actually had been Arthur Rubenstein's uh, that Steinway sent over. And Nereyev was leaning on the piano and stretching, and I could hear the audience through the curtain. It was the Minskoff Theater on Broadway and 45th. I could hear the audience, and I was so nervous. And it was the Bach Busoni Toccata and Fugue in D minor, which is you know, is an organ piece, but Busoni rearranged it so for just two hands. Um, very tricky piece, and I was so nervous. So I turned to Nureyev, and I said, tell me, Rudy, do you ever get nervous? And for the first time, his eyes flashed with rage at me, and he said, 
what a stupid question. And he's like, oh my God, he's mad. He said, of course I get nervous. You have to get nervous. It's your responsibility to get nervous. Do you know how many people out, are out there and what they've paid to see us? <laughs> but you've got to learn to channel that into energy and excitement and enthusiasm. And with that, I felt like somebody had flicked down an enormous lever on my back and I just powered down. All the nerves vanished and the stage manager shouted, places. And off we went. So this whole thing happened over the course of 60 seconds, maybe. But it changed my life. So. Wow. That's incredible. It's mm. incredible. So does playing music for live performers and conducting for the ballet present its own set of challenges and rewards, possibly? Yeah, it's a very different discipline. It's really interesting. I thought that when I first started conducting ballet, which was, as you mentioned, well, I made my debut with the company in 2014, but I started as music director in 2015. So it's very recent when you consider that my career started in 1982 as a conductor. Um, it's, it, I thought it would be a lot more like conducting opera in the accompanying sense. But of course, what I failed to recognize at first until I started here was that instead of accompanying sound, for the first time in my life, I'm accompanying sight, which is a very different experience. And very often with balance sheen at least, he'll have the conductor start things. So the stage is watching the conductor. But with a lot of the newer choreographers, you have to take a visual cue from a dancer. I mean, the one exception balance sheen was, by the way, is ballet we're doing this season, Ruby's, where the third movement of the Stravinsky, the, the, the ballerina comes out and jumps. And when you land, that's when the orchestra has to go boom. But what people don't realize is a conductor has to give an upbeat in the correct tempo for what you're about to next play the piece. And of course, dancers jump at different heights. Mm -hmm. So if there's a little bit of guesswork, I love that challenge. And once, when we nail it perfectly, I, I, if you look down in the pit, I'm going, yes, <laughs> <laughs> even though I'm conducting. Um, so there's those challenges that are very different. Um, uh, next week before the season starts, I'm going to Singapore to conduct a Franck Symphony and a, a Saint-Saëns Piano Concerto. And, you know, I'm responsible for everything. I'm not responsible for... Um, making sure the tempo's right so the arabesque works, you know. And so, so that's, I'm, I'm loving the challenge of, of having these both worlds, basically, in my career now. It's, it's great. And the fundamental reason why I was so excited about taking this job is the incredible repertoire that we do. Um, I mean, until I started at City Ballet, I was very well aware of and conducted many times three ballets by Stravinsky. Now I have something like 20 under my belt, you know, three yeah. pieces, about 20 yeah. pieces by Stravinsky that happen to be ballets in our company. Um, and I, I just think that's so amazing when, when you can be doing classical music, as I've been doing since my early 20s, to, to make new friends with these old masterpieces now. It's wonderful. Well, I think that's great. And, you know, we're just really lucky to have you as part of the New York City Ballet family and your talents. And um, I know I speak for a lot of people when I say that the orchestra really sounds as good as it ever has. And, you know, we're really looking forward to this coming season. Um, can you give us just a quick sneak peek into what we're going to hear in your segments, See the Music? Well, the first uh, See the Music, I'm going to talk actually about Bizet Symphony in C, which is um, a fascinating piece from my perspective because... Bizet, to a classical musician, is essentially a one-hit wonder. He wrote this piece called Carmen, which is the very, very famous, it's actually the third most performed opera in the world. Um, but Symphony in C only became a sort of repertory piece because of Balanchine. And so I love, this is another case of coming to conduct in City Ballet and finding a piece that's standard repertoire that rarely gets done elsewhere. I mean, it, it does get played 
more now than it did 50 years ago. But it's it's basically a, an unknown gem by by a composer who died very young. And it's I'm going to talk about uh, the musical aspects of it and what makes it so amazing that Balanchine saved a piece basically from oblivion. Yeah, it's great. Looking forward to that as well. Uh, Wendy, so you originated so many roles at New York City Ballet mm -hmm. as a muse to choreographers like Christopher Wielden and Alexei Ratmansky. What interests you most about the choreographic process? Everything. It's like my favorite place to be is in that choreographic uh, collaboration, having these conversations with another artist. Uh, whatever that be, whether it's a musician or a creative artist or a choreographer, it's just such a fun playground to play in. Uh, yeah, it, it's my happy place. And when you look back on your performance career with New York City Ballet, do you happen to have a favorite world premiere, one that stands out in your mind? Uh, well, I know there were a lot of them. There but. was a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, hard to say. They are all so, so different. Each piece I premiered in, they all had a different flavor and a different vibe and a different beat and a different time in my life, you know, over a long few decades here uh, and premiering over 50 new works. Uh, it's hard to say. <laughs> I remember moments from each one in different ways, but um, I don't really, I can't say I have a favorite. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to be really interesting for people to learn more about is how yeah. personal. Yeah the creative process is for a dancer. Absolutely. And how mm -hmm. special those moments can be mm -hmm. in your career mm -hmm. and you look back at, on them for the rest of your life. You know, yeah. those, those They make you the moments. artist that yeah. you're going to be working with a live choreographer. Mm -hmm. the, those choreographers really pull you out of yourself because they're living highly developed artists and they see something in you that you might not necessarily see in yourself. So I am so grateful for my time with choreographers creating work with me because they found who I ultimately became through the work with them. So I think that's a really special thing about this place is we're so committed to new work um, and so committed to collaborations. And it's very exciting here to live and work here in New York City Ballet. So I really want to uh, capitalize on that, that segment of our world here. Great. I, it's very, very interesting for we musicians uh, in the rehearsal process, very often ballets will will have, you know, you, the the ballet master stops and picks it up again, you know, in rehearsal at a, at a given spot. And very often it will be the name of the original dancer. So, you know, we're going to start from Wendy. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. It's yeah. Like, and so I, it's like a history lesson as a newcomer. You know, oh, I, I, I guess I know who originated these parts. Mm, and it's yeah. it's really sweet. It's wonderful that, that the, the originating dancers are, are forever memorialized in the music yeah. score. It's the yeah. little headstones in the, the, little the headstones. score. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. there are still marks that have Patty McBride, Eddie Vallella, Jacques Demois, their right. names, mm -hmm. Conrad, mm -hmm. Ludlow, you know, they're mm -hmm. all they're all still in the scores. And I think it's always a fun thing for the young dancers, too, to feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm following in Patty McBride's footsteps. Right. It's yeah. really, really cool. It's also mm -hmm. fun because there's, there's often a lot of pop culture written in there in pencil, like, let's take it from Batman. You're yeah. like, what? Yeah. It's Batman. Why did they call it Batman? And, and it makes you want to dig in and figure out, well, what is it? Was it the sound of the music? Was it the step? Uh, so, yeah, I love uh, digging into the history and, you know, not, not even that far back history, but just what was happening at the time when this was made or 
what's going to happen at a time something new is made and that's going to live on forever. Yeah, that's the one of the great things about yeah. ballet where it it has transcended huh. multiple generations. We're still doing Apollo. Yeah. You know, Balanchine's first real mm -hmm. work uh, that or his oldest work that's in our repertory mm -hmm. today mm -hmm. and and it's going to have its 100th anniversary yeah. in the not too distant future and yeah. Um, and how unbelievable that is that these these works do live on. It's like a snapshot, mm -hmm. a period in time. Yeah. Apollo, I was thinking of Apollo when Wendy was just speaking because that has a wonderful place to start for us musicians, huh. Bathing Beauties. I love that. Oh, <laughs> that's what three, it's called? It's Bathing yeah. Beauties. When I the three, I, I'd If this room was big enough, I'd demonstrate for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, don't laugh that hard. <laughs> Um, and Wendy, so what do you have in mind for these new combination talks? There's a few things that we should look forward to. The, the first two I'm going to focus on are, are the newest commissions that we have, which are Edward Liang and Lauren Lovett, two very different choreographers, uh, very different generations and styles, and uh, where they are in their life right now is a very different places. Uh, so I have a long history with Edward Liang uh, in the creative space, and um and Lauren Lovett has taken on a lot of the roles that I originated, so there's that history with us. So uh, I, I'm intrigued with both of their work, and I, I really look forward to digging into their creative minds. Thank you for listening to City Ballet. To stay up to date on podcast episode releases, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. We hope to see you soon in the theater, so head over to nycballet.com to have a look at the season and join our mailing list. Thank you.